Okay, you want to know what sacrifice is? I'll tell you what sacrifice is. Preaching when the Green Bay Packers are playing. <laughs> Actually, uh, I love what I'm talking about far more than the Green Bay Packers. So that this one wins out every time. Really glad that you're with us. Last week we talked about the gospel in you, didn't we? And we saw that it's, it's only in Jesus that we have rescue. And it's only in Jesus that we're restored back to de- back to God and we're restored back to ourselves and we're restored to people around us. Well, tonight we're going to be asking that question. If, uh, if the gospel is in you, once you've received the gospel, now what? So we're going to talk about that. And is the gospel just for me or is it for everyone? Let's ask that question right now. How would you answer that? Is the gospel just for you or do you believe it's for everyone? Do you believe that, I mean, I read in a uh, poll this week, actually two different polls, that 81% of the Christians in America say that uh, it is my responsibility to advance the gospel through my life, that it's up to me to share the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. But but also in the same poll came back when, when people answered that question, they asked them, now tell me. In the last 12 months, how uh, how many of you have shared the gospel just one time in the last 12 months, last year? So, you know, the, the, the comeback was 41%. 41% shared the gospel. They believed, 81% believed that it was their responsibility to share the gospel, but only 41% uh, took them up on that and actually shared the gospel in through their lives one time in the past 12 months. Now think about this. The Midwest, they, what they did then is, is they kind of broke it down into regions in the United States of, of Christians and whether or not they're sharing their faith. The Midwest is the worst at sharing our faith. Why is that? I don't know. I, they didn't give the answers, but they just showed that we were the lowest in this area. And then it, there was even a race issue of sharing your faith. Like, um, white uh, American Christians, 41%. Black, 49%. Hispanic, 76% over the past year have shared their faith with someone who didn't know Jesus. So what we want to do is kind of ask that question, who's the gospel for? Is it just for me or is it for the whole world? And we want to have the Bible answer that question first because I know we all have an opinion. And then... We want to just call you to simple obedience. If the Bible calls me into it, then what do I need to do? What, what is my response from it? So I want you to take a look at a key passage on the gospel. It's Matthew chapter 28, verses um, 19, 18 and 19. So if you would turn there with me, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. Let me give you a setup as you're turning here. This is after Jesus had lived on this earth, a perfect life. He died on a cross and he rose from the grave and he appeared back to his disciples, the risen, resurrected Jesus in the body. I mean, in the flesh. And so many people say, boy, I just need Jesus to show up on the scene physically before I'll believe in him. But that's still not enough. His visible appearance is still not enough for some people to believe him because It says in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted him. So even when he showed up on the scene and is physical, people go, I don't, I don't really think it's him. We need more. We need a total change of our heart 
to believe in the gospel. And that's what God, that's a, it's a work of God in us. But this is what Jesus says. He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nation, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me just make some quick observations on, on that. And here, here Jesus is saying all authority has been given to him. Not just a little bit, but all authority in heaven and on earth. So Jesus is saying, look at where um, I'm in authority. Up there, there's angels who obey my command. And on earth, who's going to listen to and obey my command? See, we are the agents of God on earth to listen to the command and the authority of Jesus and what Jesus says we need to do. We are God's children. We're God's representative. Paul calls us ambassadors for God. You know, we're out of, out of our homeland into enemy territory representing the gospel. We're the ones because all authority has been given. So therefore, Jesus says, go. Realize that? The Bible doesn't say stay. It says go. Go and make disciples of every nation. And then when people respond to the gospel and get the gospel in them, then we baptize them and then we teach them what Christ has called us into. And remember that whenever we do this, that God is with us always. There's never a time when we're on our own. And God promises his presence when we advance the gospel through us. So let me just make a bold statement. The gospel is not just for me. It's for everyone, right? And I say that over and over and over, but many of us just go on living like it's just for me. The gospel is meant to move through us. Remember that Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation uh, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. So this is that picture. The gospel is the power of God. So when we're connected with the gospel and the gospel flows through us, guess what we get an experience with? We get an experience with the power of God. You want the power of God in your life? Let the gospel move through you. And so we're called into that. The the final words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, when Luke records it, uh, verse eight, our, our first priority. Look at what, look at what Jesus says to the disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, Jesus was in Jerusalem. He appeared in Jerusalem with the disciples that were there at that time. And what he was basically saying is in Jerusalem where you are, in the region that surrounds you, and then to the end of the earth. That's where you're to take the gospel. That's where you take the good news of God. For us, if we were to just interpret this into our own language, you are to be my witnesses in Topeka, and then in Kansas in the United States, and then around the world. There would be no place, and wherever there are people, there needs to be the gospel. That's the picture of God. That's the command of God through Jesus in our lives. It's very explicit, it's bold, and it's inclusive for all believers. Some of us may do it better, but none of us have the excuse that Jesus didn't tell us to do this. 
We're all called into this incredible, wonderful story of God displayed through our lives as we advance the gospel through our lives. I've heard people say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have the gift of mercy. Should I just be unmerciful to everyone? No. Some of us just forgive so easily. Others of us have to work on it. We're all called to do the same thing, right? Evangelism is the same thing. Some of us, it just flows off of our lips. Others of us are going, oh no, what do I say? And we're going to have to learn. That's the picture of Jesus. Every believer can experience the power of God through their lives when they advance the gospel through their lives. And here's three ways how to do it. Here's three ways how to allow the gospel to move through your life. Way number one is this, serving the love of Jesus. You see, the power of God moves through me when I am serving the love of Jesus to others. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says, Let your light so shine that men might see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. There's something about when we do good works. Good works don't save, okay? They don't get us in, but they reflect something about God. What does it, what does it do? Well, when I, when I serve the love of Jesus, I actually go to people who, who, who aren't really looking for God. They're out doing their own thing. They're out living in their world. They're out, they have many needs, but they aren't really thinking or even asking about God. How are they going to hear about it? Well, they need to see the goodness of God in me because they're certainly not reading it in the Bible. And they're certainly not going, I, you know, when I go, I don't have, oh, pastor, tell me about this. I, it says something about Jesus in here. I don't have that. It's usually we have to serve. We have to serve to start relationships. And so what I've seen that is most people are already trusting in their own personal savior. Remember you before you came to Christ? You were trusting in your own personal savior. Some of you, it was image. And it's what people thought of you. And what people thought of you changed how you lived and what you did in your life and how you saw yourself. Depending on positive press or negative press, that determined your whole day. Some of you used to live for a relationship. And whatever your the girl said about you or wanted you to be, that's what, who you tried to be. Or the guy, what he wanted you to be. You wanted to try to be that. She was or he was your personal savior. Some of us, it was money. And we just thought the he who dies with the most things wins. We just bought into that lie. And we saw the emptiness of that. And we had to realize some other way. See, how do you break through this? You have to serve. Serving displays a love by breaking down some ideological walls of how people view Christ, how people view Christians. When you serve, you reflect the goodness of God. Look at how the New Testament church served one another as they advanced the gospel through their lives. In Acts chapter 4, take a look at this. It says, And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And a great, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses brought the proceeds from what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. See that? Serving transforms. 
It transforms a problem into a person when you get involved. And you know what? You can serve all problems all you want, but God does something in your heart when there's a person around a problem and you serve the love of Jesus in that environment. You see, when we serve, we experience the gospel moving through us. I, we have people here in our city, and I think it's just wonderful that, that um, hundreds of, of FBCers are out in our community serving. And I've even had um, an official from, from one of the school systems here go, I, I totally don't believe in what you believe in at all, and I really don't want what you believe in at all, but you guys are phenomenal here. I mean, no one else has shown up and served us like you have. You are, I mean, I don't know what we'd do without you. Now, do you think it would be really good for me to get into a theological debate with that person about the gospel? Or do you think that maybe I could just love them like Jesus loves them? How are they going to see the love of Jesus? It starts when we serve because we model who Jesus is. Because when it talks about the love of God in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us. When you serve, you give yourself up for someone. And when you serve the love of Jesus, the goal is that people would see the goodness of God. When you serve, you want to show a good God. People don't know who God is. People wonder who God is. How will they know what God is? And, And when you show up, You say, God is here. He's right here in and through me. And we reveal God when we show up. So many Christians can stay on the sidelines and look and go, look at that sinful world. Look at that evil world. Come on, everybody, get in the mothership. And we build our churches so that they're nice and comfortable here. But we don't send anyone out there to serve. And therefore, the gospel stays in here. And you know what happens to the gospel when it just stays in here? It gets stagnant. And it starts to stink after a while. Because I don't mean any disrespect here, but sometimes we can go, we, how do we make this place more comfortable if the gospel's just for us? I didn't like that song. Why don't you like that song? It just wasn't my favorite. And we make those complaints. And what, what can this church do for me? Then we get into that mode. And... And we start building our list and we get discontent. Why? Because we're not experiencing the power of God. We're just wanting it all for us. And it's been meant, you are meant for the power of the gospel to flow through your life, not to bottle it up and dead end in your life. And when you serve, you show the goodness of God. Serving the love of Jesus certainly shows you the power of God. And then you can also see the power of God move through you when you're sharing the truth of Jesus. So you're, you're uh, serving the love of Jesus and, and now sharing the truth of Jesus. I have been sharing the truth of Jesus since I was probably seven years old. I have pictures in my mind and they aren't, they're kind of vague, but some of my first memories are me going around with these Christian tracks on how to trust Jesus into your life and delivering them all around my neighborhood. And, and then, you know, I really ticked off our postman because he came in and says, Hey, is your kid putting it? That's federal property. He could be thrown in jail for that, you know, and he scared me. So I never did that again. But I just have images of always wanting people to know the truth of Jesus. And, and I could sooner or later, here's my whole summary on it. 
sooner or later, you literally have to talk about Jesus. Because the conversation needs to move from you to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your life. From what you've done and the good things you've done to the good God who empowers you to serve in his love. And so that's why Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, hey, you need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And then he gives us, keep, keep reading on that because then it says, but do this with gentleness and respect. We're to not treat people as projects. We're to do this out of love. And as we serve them in love, we certainly will have the environment to share the truth as it arrives. I'm amazed if you just are available and you show up, how many opportunities come for you to share the truth of who Jesus is. Paul was certainly focused on this. He, he gave the content of the gospel. He identified what the gospel was all about in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. See, Paul was focusing on the, the content of the gospel is that Jesus is the life. He's the, it's the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus in f- fulfillment of our rescue and our restoration back to God. These were truth claims that Jesus really is. Jesus really is who he said he is. And he proved that from the scriptures. Uh, Paul also shared the truth in every environment. In one such occasion in Acts chapter 17, he kind of gives a grid for the truth of God to a Jewish audience. In verses 2 of chapter 17 of Acts, he says, it says this, Paul went into the synagogue and, and as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, he is the Christ. So Paul was using reason, not just theological debate. He gave reason there of, of the simple concept of grace. The simple concept that even attached itself to the grace of the Old Testament, that we needed forgiveness And just like in the Old Testament, they needed the forgiveness of the blood of a lamb or a sacrifice to restore them back to God. Jesus was the full covering. Jesus was the fulfillment in accordance with the scriptures. He was the one who rescues us through his death and through his resurrection from the cross. And Paul shared the truth of Jesus that it is the grace. That's the goal of sharing the truth, that people would see grace. The grace of God. In serving, we show the goodness of God. In sharing the truth, we see the grace of God. Because here's the reality. Most of the religions of the world believe that if you do good things, God owes you to save save you. That if you're a kind person or if you can somehow do so many deeds that out good deeds that outweigh your bad deeds, that God owes it to you to save you. That so many people say, I, if I can compare myself to her or him and come out looking better, then it just makes sense to me that God ought to save me. And biblical Christianity says, no, I'm sorry, we cannot save ourselves. We can't work our way back to God. 
Salvation is something that only comes to us from the gift of God through Jesus Christ. It's grace, unmerited favor. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. We can never be good enough. Jesus had to come. And he had to suffer on a cross. Because on the cross, he took the wrath of God for my sin and yours. All of God's frustration, all of his punishment for my sin and yours was taken out on Jesus. That's the truth. And the truth is that only Jesus was perfect. And the truth is that it's only in Jesus and his death on the cross that I can be saved. And the truth is that Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered death for us so that when we are in Christ and the gospel is in us, we too will never die. That's the truth. The truth is that all of us need saving. Some of us are better than others, but we're not, none of us are perfect. We all need Jesus. And that's the truth. We need grace. That's the picture. And when we share that, it's, it's amazing. People really then see the gospel as good news. When I share the gospel and people don't understand it as good news, they go, what do I have to do? Just tell me what I got to do. You don't have to do anything. You have to trust in Jesus, the only one to save you. What? That's too easy. You don't know what I've done. Exactly. But God does. And God knows it. And he judged it in Jesus on the cross. Full and final payment. The truth. See, that really makes the truth about the gospel good news. We need that. So there's serving the love of Jesus, and then there's sharing the truth of Jesus. This last one, I, I was going to be a two-point message, just so you'd never forget it. But as I read the New Testament, I just couldn't get over how the gospel advanced through this final concept of suffering. Whenever I suffer in the name, for the name of Jesus, the power of God goes through my life. See, we're guaranteed that the power of God moves through me when I'm suffering for the name of Jesus. You know, in uh, Acts chapter 8, we come upon the story of the first martyr, Stephen, who is stoned, preaching the, the simple claim about Jesus that he is the one and he is the way to a relationship with God. And it says here, as Saul sought and gave approval to his stoning. In Acts chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, it says, Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And we see the church doing something. We see it scattering. And why this is important is because Luke is showing us a picture. As he said in Luke 1, uh, in, in Acts 1, 8, he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They were only in Jerusalem. They weren't in Judea and Samaria. How did they get to Judea and Samaria? They ran for their lives. This was no vacation. They didn't go, hey, I've been praying and I think we need to relocate. There's better neighborhoods over in Judea and Samaria. Let's go and advance the gospel there. They did. They just ran. That was right at the center of God's plan for them. They ran for their lives and they probably didn't carry much or they couldn't because, I mean, persecution was just rampant in Jerusalem at that time. It says those who were scattered went about, look at that, preaching the word. 
So, so many of us think, wow, if we ever had to suffer for the name of Jesus, man, that would be the worst curse in our life. Don't do that. Because suffering messes with three C's that are very important in our life. The control, comfort, and complacency. We like those. They keep life normal. They keep life happy. They keep life predictable. But suffering comes in and throws just the boat over. And there we are going, God, where are you? And, and what God teaches us in the Bible is that many times, not just a few, many times when we suffer, we're right in the center of God's plan. So Christian, don't despise suffering because you're part of a much greater story than your little dream and me, mine too. And, and I can look back on my life on areas where I did not thank God for. Matter of fact, I wondered where he was. And I would read the Psalms just to give me comfort for some of the thoughts that I was thinking about. God doesn't love me or God's not in my life or I'm off to the side now or you despised me. When many times he, we're right in the center of his plan when we suffer. And this flies right in the face of Christianity in America that we're pursuing this dream and God loves me and he's my best friend and he'd never do anything to hurt me. And he wants me to be happy more than he wants me to be holy. And so anything that's bad happens to me certainly is not in his plan. Anything that I don't feel comfortable in, it's, it's not his leading. And we give those excuses. And yet when we suffer for the name of Jesus, the gospel advances and the power of God flows through. You know what I'm talking about if you hung on to the hand of God when you were going through a time of suffering. You know when they got the diagnosis of your child that really took your breath away and instead of cursing God, you prayed to him and you trusted your child in God's hands and God showed you a deepening picture of his presence. He showed you his power working through that. When you came along someone who is suffering and you chose to give yourself up to suffer along with them. In the name of Jesus, you show the power of God moving through you when you make decisions to do that. Because just as when you, when you serve, you show the goodness of God, and when you share, you show the grace of God. When you suffer, you show the glory of God. Because it is for God's glory that we suffer. Now, I just want to do a quick footnote as I'm preaching here. There's some Christians who are just plain difficult and they're mean and they're angry. That is not good suffering. You're getting what you're what you're asking for. OK, so every time you suffer, if you deserved it, you know, if you get pulled over for going 80 miles an hour on a 65. Don't go. I'm suffering for the Lord. You're not. You were speeding. I'm glad you got caught and I ought to get pulled over if I'm doing the same. Because because we can't just say every time we go through a difficult time that, that it's not our and it's our fault. We've got to give that up and say, no, in the name of Jesus, that's worthy suffering. Now, do I pray for suffering? Absolutely not. But we live in a broken, messed up world. And it, it's very clear. And as Philippians 129 says, it says, for it has been. Listen to this. For it has been granted to you. That for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. 
And I found that if you're going to be committed to advancing the gospel in your life, you will have some suffering. It may be ridicule. It may be a loss of a friend or two who thinks you're too pushy. And, and I pray that I'm not too pushy. I pray that I have gentleness and respect. Uh, it may be the loss of an opportunity, uh, exclusion out of a group of people. But you know what? You're not serving people. You're serving Christ. So these ought to be things, if we really love Jesus, that we're willing to give up to advance the gospel, that the glory of God, that God would become bigger in my life, that he might become stronger in my life, that his word and his will would have a greater influence in and through my life. You see, when you serve the love of of Christ, you show the goodness of God. When you share the truth of Christ, you show the grace of God. And when you suffer for the name of Christ, you show the glory of God. You know, one of the things that I've um, kind of viewed the gospel over <laughs> over the ages in my life has been, uh, I used to view the gospel as me being a lifeguard. And I'm on this beach and there's shark infested waters and there's people out there swimming. So I used to think my responsibility was, get out of the water! Everyone run to the safety of the shore! And basically the gospel was, run to the safety of Jesus! That's how I used to preach the gospel. Then I used to preach the gospel like... Like, God has this awesome vacation for us. If we just hop on his provision, we could go where he's going to take us. And, and I would try to do that. But you know, it's really not your little image of what the gospel is that's so powerful. It's how you love people that gives you the greatest opportunity to advance the gospel. And you could see it as a technique or a program or an agenda. And I'd just like to ask you to stop and love people. Because love has been, over the course of my life, the largest motivator for me to share the gospel with someone. I've been given in my I belief, in my whole belief system, I've been given the greatest gift. And I've received the greatest gift God has ever given me. And if... If I love you, I'm going to share it with you. Do I save you? Absolutely not. Can you reject it? Absolutely. Will I reject you if you reject it? No, I'll still love you. But if I love you, you're going to get Jesus because Jesus is so important to me. And I want you to have what I have. If you don't want it, okay, that's your decision. But I'm going to share him with you. And I'm going to continue to love you. And I'm going to continue to serve you. And I'm going to continue. If you go through suffering, I'm going to be there. And I do, joyfully. But I want you to know Jesus. I really do. I really believe he's not just for me. He's for everyone. And you could see it as insensitive or, you know, exclusive. But I really feel God is inclusive. Because the gospel is not just for a certain group of people. It's for the whole world. And because of that, I want to share him with everyone. See, I've also found that those serving and sharing... And suffering for the gospel are the most satisfied and fulfilled people. And could I even say most convinced of the gospel? When we're sharing the truth of Christ and serving the love of Christ and suffering for the name of Christ. And they're most effective in their walk with Jesus. And so one thing I've kind of created to help a little bit 
is this card that's called the intentional card. And everyone should have one of these. When you came in, you were given one. If you don't, make sure you pick one up on your way out. And here's what I want you to do. Over the course of this year, I want you to hang on to this card. And I've not made it a a piece of paper. I made it a card so that you could tuck it in your Bible or keep it in your your, uh, journal or something like that. I want you to put this in a place that you'll see it daily. Okay? And what I'm asking you to do is think about the people God has blessed you with in your life. And the ones that don't know Christ. I just want you to pray for Pray for an opportunity to serve the love of Jesus, to share the truth of Jesus, to suffer in the name of Jesus in their lives. And write down their name. And um, you can go, well, some of you go, well, I don't, I don't know 10 people. Well, write down the, the ones you do know. And pray that as God takes you through 2013, there's going to be 10 people you're going to meet this year especially if you believe the gospel should go through you. Write down their names and commit to start praying for them. Maybe it's a teacher you're at school with or a fellow student. Maybe it's a student in your class. Maybe it's a relative or loved one. Maybe it's a neighbor. And you don't know where they are with Christ. Start praying and and commit them to prayer. And then it just has some actions there. One is initiate friendship. And again, The way you do that is to serve. No strings attached. You don't have to believe like, I'm just going to serve because God has been so good in my life and I want to share that with you. That second line there, it says, second box, it says, share your story or share the story of Jesus. That you'd have an opportunity. Just pray for that opportunity to share the truth about Jesus. And that last one is invite. You know what? I invite a lot of people to church because I really... I see two things happening here. I see people loving God and I see people loving each other. And and I want to call people into loving environments. So this has been the easiest church I've ever been a part of. I've gone to a church all my life. It's been the easiest church to invite someone to. And I don't even tell everyone I invite that I'm the pastor here. It makes it kind of awkward when I get up and speak. You know, I, I tell them I, I sit up kind of near the front. <laughs> but... But, um, I mean, this has just been an easy thing. And here's what I follow up with. I just go this. I say, what did you think about that? What I said, what did you think about that? And I just listen. And it's amazing how people just share where they're at, share what's going on in their lives. And it gives me an opportunity to pray with them and encourage them and to talk to them about the greatest gift I've ever been given. You see, even an atheist looks at a Christian and says, if you really believe this, you ought to share it with me. If you really believe that Jesus is our only hope for rescue and restoration, then if, if I believe that, I'd be sharing it with everyone I, I, I could. Because that's how you love people, is to share the, the greatest gift you have. Folks, we just need to be authentic. That's what... The gospel moving through us. And there's those three practices of serving the love of Jesus, sharing the truth of Jesus, and suffering in the name of Jesus, where we are guaranteed every time we practice those, we have the power of God moving through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just look over this room and think of um, the, the number of potential people you could have the gospel move through us into their lives this year.
And I just want to thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for everyone who showed up here tonight. And thank you for the vision you've given us in your word that the gospel is meant for everyone and it's to move through us. And so, Lord, may you bless every time we serve the love of Jesus to people. Every time we share the truth of Jesus with people. And every time we suffer in the name of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.